When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode number 29 of When in Romance is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can p- pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook out there. You know which one. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best local booksellers. Listeners of When in Romance can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro FM. L-I-B-R-O dot F-M and enter B-R-3. That's Libro dot F-M code B-R-3. Hello and welcome back to When in Romance. I know it's my favorite place to talk about romance um, and hopefully your favorite place to listen to romance. Well, not to romance. Do that with Libro.fm. <laughs> but listen to us talk about things happening in Romancelandia and gush about some romance novels. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And uh, Jess, you have a spe- the folks can't see it at home, but you have a special guest with you today. Can you tell us a little bit? Can you? Nobody will be able to really get it until they see it, but can you just explain for us what you have? I will make a note to um, post to my Instagram on Monday, but um, when this goes out, but I am hanging out with a little stuffed javelina, which is a wild pig native to the Southwest desert. And he was the mascot of the Tucson Festival of Books over the past weekend. And I just could not leave him at the University of Arizona bookstore. So I am hanging out with him today and Trisha gets to look at him. All night. <laughs> and I would just like to make the distinction that this pig was always stuffed. This is not like a taxidermy situation. Like this is a manufactured pig. Uh, in case, because like I said, no one else can see it. There was any confusion. Um, Jess, how was the Tucson Festival of Books? Tucson Festival of Books was awesome. It was a little warm. I mean, I'm sure all of the authors who came in from the Northeast and the Midwest and all of that enjoyed coming out for a bit of 78 degree weather. Um, we had some really great romance authors here. Um, we had Alyssa Cole, Jasmine Guillory, Rayanne Thane, Jesse Mahalik, whose first book came out just about a month ago. Um, and uh, Priscilla Oliveras, who is a delightful person. And it was just a long tiring, exhausting weekend of amazingness. And I'm really glad that I get to be a part of it every year. Well, that is so lovely. 
but I, this is a genuine, I'm not like, this is not a loaded question. I don't know. And they don't know the answer. Is any part of it or any of the panels or anything, are the videos online or is it all sort of internal? It's all pretty much internal. There's some um, of the bigger ones were on book TV. So if you have access to C-SPAN videos, I think those are on their YouTube after the fact. Um, but none of the romance panels were, unfortunately. Oh, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, and in the meantime, maybe next episode or, or sometime in the near future, we'll talk about some of the other cool free uh, romance. Well, and actually maybe the Tucson Festival is not free, but. <laughs> it is. It is free and open to all. Okay, perfect. <laughs> See, that's amazing. Uh, and I think that there are some other uh, events like that coming up in over the next six months or so. So maybe we'll do a little digging and see what we can tell all of you about for those of you who are not in 78 degree Tucson, Arizona. Sorry. Over in March. No, that's cool. I think it hit 30 today in DC. So that's great. <laughs> uh, everybody's got their own thing. So that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, well, I'm glad it went well. Congratulations. Uh, and I think it's fun that we got to start with a, a fun, happy piece of news this week, <laughs> because unfortunately, as sometimes happens on When in Romance, our other news items are less positive and optimistic. There's a reason I brought the javelina with me for support. <laughs> That's true. There's not as much I can do from you uh, two or 3,000 miles away. So I'm glad <laughs> that you have the javelina. Um, so I, should we start with the Rift Bodies diversity report? Why don't we? All right. Do you want to do the kind of introduction to what this is? Absolutely. So um, this is, I believe, the third year. Am I correct? Yes, it is. That mm -hmm. the Ripped Bodice, the amazing bookstore and booksellers in Los Angeles, has put together a report on racial diversity in romance. And they have requested information from publishers sought out information from publishers who did not give them information um, and sort of done some aggregating on what that looks like in the world uh, basically and I'll tell you it's been three years and it's gotten a mite better but not really <laughs> a mightest a mightest of might a mightest of mites yeah. Uh, so I've got the press release open in, in front of me. And uh, so as Jess mentioned, the first year they did this um, was 20. So they did a study of 2016 that I think came out in, I want to say it was maybe even the second half of 2017. Mm -hmm. And then they did a study of 2017 that came out about this time last year. And then the one that came out most recently was the 2018 report. So for every 100 books published by leading romance publishers in 2018, only 7.7, so 7.7% were written by people of color. In 2016, that number was 7.8%. So in that sense, it's gotten a mite worse, actually. And in 2017, it was 6.6. .6. So I guess we're up 1.1% from last year, but actually down 0.1% from the first year of the report. And that that comes in part from the closure of an imprint that was actually doing really well. They had the highest number, I think, in 2016. Um, not the highest number, but a, a, one of the higher numbers, one of the only double-digit numbers. Um, and that was Crimson Romance. Yeah. And with without them who were actually making strides to print more authors of color, um, that number dropped immediately. 
That's actually a really great point. Um, Crimson Romance in the 2017 study, so the one that came out last year, was at 29.3% of their authors were uh, people of color, which no one is, is frankly anywhere near that this year. Um, Kensington is 22.8, but that's by far the highest. So it's not great. Uh, frankly, I think, uh, B and Leah Coco, uh, put the, the study out who are the owners and, um, oh, the owners of the Rip Bodice and who do what is frankly a tremendous amount of work to put all of this together. Um, so as always, we, we're so grateful to them for that. Um, they sort of said in their press release, we have had the experience over the course of the last several years where we have tried to say, well, maybe we can defend the status quo because people don't know. But the point that they made in their press release this year was that essentially, we can't do that anymore. There are no excuses. This is now the third year of the study. And to the extent that we're seeing progress in a lot of ways, it does seem coincidental, as opposed to related to people having better knowledge and understanding of the systemic racism in the system. Mm -hmm. And their their bestsellers in 2018 were 80% books written by authors of color. So no one can say that it's not because they're selling um, or they're not selling. So, Which is actually up even from last year, which was 60%. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, which is, I think, the first year that they had numbers because it was the first year that they had been open for a full year. Um, I will say one of the things that they mention in their uh, stats um, is that only two, they, well, they say only one of the publishers surveyed improved from both 2016 to 2017 and from 2017 to 2018. By my count, it's actually two. I might have missed something, but in 2016, and these are, to be fair, this is not a extraordinary, uh, improvement, but it's something. <laughs> um, by my count, Avon went from 2.8 in 2016 to 3.7 in 2017 to 4.8 in 2018. And Berkeley went from 3.9 in 2016 to 7 in 2017 to 10 in 2018. So I, I think, and I'm not, like I said, this is such a huge amount of work. I may well be misunderstanding kind of what they're trying to say, or it's possible that something slipped through the cracks, or I don't know, but, um, I, sh- I'm not trying to, like I said, n- in any way try to call them out. I just realized this about 10 minutes before we started recording. So I, um, not, this is definitely not a gotcha situation. Um, so maybe I'll send them a quick note and see if I can get that clarified for next time around. But I mean, of the 20 publishers that they surveyed, that's only two that went up. Even Kensington, which you were saying is, is at a high number this year, went down. Um, the first year they were at close to 20% and then they dropped to 12.6 last year and then bumped back up to 22, um, or over 22 this year. So it's, you know, it's not, I guess, I mean, I guess there is something to be said for the fact that a couple of publishers improved. So good job, Berkeley and Avon and good job, Kensington for being as high as they are, but. Yeah. And it might've been that, that Avon didn't report. They had to go find that information on their own. And Berkeley did, so maybe maybe that was part of part of that. Um, that they can't guarantee that those numbers are. And uh, you know, like this is awful. I'm going to just say it right now. It's awful. But um, actually, Rand Thane, who was one of the um, authors who was here over the weekend, made a good point at a, an LGBT panel. Actually, that you know some of these publishers schedule books two, three years out. So 
if we look at these numbers in 2020 and they're still the same, that's when I'm going to call shenanigans. But I do know that there are some people that have been working to acquire. And when those books get published, maybe we'll see big changes in numbers. But it's still not going to reflect what the actual population of this country is. And since these are pretty much all American publishers, you would think that publishing would want to reflect the population of this country. So I guess I'm still calling shenanigans anyway. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm hoping to see a mass growth in some of these steadier imprints and publishers so we can at least see a complete array of two-digit numbers. That's all I want. <laughs> no, I think that's a really great point. And I think that's the point that some folks have been making. And I think it may also be part of the reason that a bigger publisher like Berkeley that can move things maybe a little bit more quickly. I remember talking with someone there um, not long after the first report came out and kind of saying, because this person was not in acquisitions, they were more on the publicity side. I kind of said, you know, can you use this information to to push your acquisition teams. And and she said, you know, honestly, we we are trying. We expect to see increases over the course of the next few years. We're conscious of it and we really are working hard. And I think, to be fair, you for Berkeley to go from what were they, 3.9% to 10%, that's not an insignificant increase. And they published books. And and you know what? They're seeing, here's the other thing, Jess, they're seeing the payoff from it. Because some of those books, those books were the wedding date. Those books were the kiss quotient. Uh Those books were intercepted. Like, Berkeley is seeing a tremendous amount of success, which all three of those may well have been on the, um, maybe intercepted wasn't, I don't know which, I'm on the wrong page. Uh, But I think, you know, some of those, uh, Next Year in Havana is a um, Berkeley title. You know, like these are books that are, Study in Scarlet Women is a Berkeley title. You know, if you look at the Ripped Bodice bestsellers in 2018, and to be fair, Berkeley is very big. Um, they're part of Penguin Random House, which is the biggest publisher, at least in the country, maybe in the world. Um, so, you know, it's it's not to say that everybody will have that same progress as quickly, but I think it's a really interesting success story to see that so many of the big titles from a publisher like that are by authors of color. So I don't know. Everybody do better, I guess. <laughs> Everybody do better. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've. this is not the first time we've said that, but maybe this will be the time it sticks. We'll see. I guess that's all we can do is wait and see because we have no acquisition power. Let's just start our own imprint, Trisha. Ooh, you know what? I well, I don't want to call you out. You, but I will because here we are. You have <laughs> mentioned more than once doing uh, something related to nonfiction and uh, romance, <laughs> and maybe doing an anthology of some kind. Which I would, I would crowdfund the the heck out of that. So <laughs> something to think about. Something to think about. So I guess but just by way of closing out this conversation, it sounds like for if we're a year from now. Mm-hmm. If you, the thing that would make you feel like there had been progress was seeing more double digit numbers. Is that? I mean, that's, that's the, the only thing that would indicate any kind of progress for me. I know that some of, some of these imprints, they have hundreds of writers and like there's absolutely no reason to not have 10% authors of color when this country is more than 50% people of color. <laughs> I think that's right. I think I 100% agree with that. I think 
double digits is not that high of a bar. And so no. that's absolutely a uh, a goal. I think the other two things that I'm keeping a little bit of an eye on are the um, publishers like Dream Spinner and Riptide and uh, Bold Strokes, um, which if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think all three of those primarily publish queer romance of some kind. Mm-hmm. And those numbers are not great. Bold Strokes is at 1.1. Dream Spinner is a little bit better at 7.4. And Riptide is at 1.9. So that's two of those are below 2%, which is really pretty discouraging. Um, so I would like to see all of the numbers tick up. But also, I'd like to see a little bit more investment from those publishers. The other piece of this that I – the other thing I don't quite understand at this point um, is the number – so. The first year, 11 publishers participated. The second year, 11 publishers participated. This year, if my count is right, 12 publishers participated. Mm-hmm. And all that B and Leah are asking for is a list of titles. Mm-hmm. They're not asking for people to make any distinction about, you know, any personally identifying information or even just personal information from the authors. They just need the list of titles. So I feel like if that number could tick up more than one, like significantly, like if we were at, of these 20 publishers, if we were closer to, you know, 18 or 19 of them sending that list, it would indicate to me at least that the publishers understand that this report is important Mm -hmm. and that progress is slow, but that they are taking the tiniest of tiny steps toward investing in it. Yeah, especially because some of the some of the publishers who haven't reported care a lot about about their presence in Romance Landia and about the response they get from Romance. And I know a lot of them can happily go along without any kind of publicity because people will just buy their books. But it's it's really interesting that they didn't get solicited information from them. Like, it's a little shocking. But, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe we can we can, we can pull this exact sound clip of what uh, we were hoping would happen and then compare it to what actually does happen and see if we are uh, happily surprised or mildly disappointed. Continuously disappointed. <laughs> yeah, and only mildly because our expectations are... Very low. So this is like the he pulled out my chair level of low bar. Like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the internet exploding over Chris Evans, um, helping. Uh, was it Regina Hall up the stairs? There, and people were like, "Guys, is the bar really this low?" And everyone was like, "Yes, yes, the bar really <laughs> is this low at the Oscars." So anyway, <laughs> find that clip. It's actually kind of delightful. It is. Um. Anyway, so anything else? to say about that oh i could probably have a whole nother conversation about it but let's leave it at that for now because we want to end on a somewhat hopeful note yeah i yes yes i like that our predictions are hopeful predictions for for 2020 we'll see <laughs> all right do you want to tell folks about our uh sponsor for today yes let's do that Today's podcast is sponsored by Down and Dirty by Renna Morgan, which is published by Karina Press. Axel McKee abandoned his musical career years ago in favor of becoming a power player on the music scene. His dreams of the spotlight are over, and he's better off for it. 
Working with his Haven brothers and building their empire is enough for him. And then came Lizzie, a dynamic, beautiful powerhouse of a performer unlike any he's seen or heard before. Her presence leaps off the stage and into the heart of anyone who watches her sing. And, of course, Axel wants her. Wants to help her and collaborate with her, but more than anything, he wants to be with her. Aw, that's nice. This is the sixth and final book in Renna Morgan's fan-favorite Men of Haven series. The Men of Haven have fierce passion and unyielding loyalty, especially when it comes to their women. The Men of Haven series features six men who've not only dragged themselves out of the gutter, gutter and the dangerous beginnings they were born into, but have leveraged their street smarts and individual skills to make sure no person or socioeconomic class ever holds them down again. And this book is a slow burn from the very first page. If you are curious to know more about Down and Dirty by Renna Morgan or about the author herself, you can check her out on Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash Renna Morgan. Renna Morgan on Twitter and Instagram. And check out Karina Press. Alrighty. I uh, briefly was looking at my notes wrong and thought we were jumping into book recommendations next, and I got very excited, and then I realized we actually have to uh, do more sort of, not so much discouraging news, but like serious news. Yeah. And in that sense, we are doing uh, a little bit of follow-up from a story that we talked about two weeks ago, um, so one episode ago, for those of you who are new, uh, <laughs> also welcome, uh, which is the copy, hashtag copy paste Chris situation wherein, um, so Christian Surya has uh, had essentially has published books that have the text basically copied and pasted uh, from other romance authors. Um, if you need a, a quick rundown of that situation, you can either listen to our last podcast or there's a link in our, our show notes from last time, and I'll link it again, um, that has a pretty good rundown from at least the story at the time. But the thing that this has uh, wrought, I guess, is some discussions around uh, things like ghostwriters, because the author um, ended up blaming ghostwriters for doing that plagiarism, although it's pretty questionable as to whether it was them or her. Um, <laughs> So there's that copywriting sort of, or sorry, the ghostwriting conversation. And then there's also um, Nora Roberts. So Nora Roberts is making herself known in 2019. Known. For like someone who is generally relatively quiet, I would guess, and I would actually have to look at her blog, but I would guess that Nora Roberts has published more blog posts in the last six or eight weeks than she did maybe like all last year. Like Nora Roberts is letting her voice be heard. There have been five since this all broke out. So in the in the past two weeks, there have been five. That's even since someone accused Nora Roberts of riding their coattails, you know, a, two months ago. Anyway, so there's a lot happening for Nora. Nora Roberts is having an interesting 2019. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that – so first of all, she made very clear, and I, we may have talked about it last time, that uh, her books were a part of this and that she was uh, – Frustrated seems like an understatement. Very angry and seeking revenge <laughs> seems like maybe more <laughs> of the uh, tone of Nora Roberts' first couple of posts about this. Uh, and then she started to get into a little bit of um, – and some of this is helpful, but she got a little bit into why this happens, some of the flaws in the system, particularly um, – I don't know if she was talking specifically about Amazon – 
But some of the conversation has been around Amazon, around Kindle Unlimited, around the way that the Amazon, and actually not just Kindle Unlimited, but a very reduced price books, mm-hmm. um, and the way that those kinds of mechanisms that in many ways are actually really helpful to readers and sometimes writers do because Amazon does not have very strong uh, protections against a lot of the stuff. Some of those pieces do play into um, some of these plagiarism issues. So I think, I think the general point is if you have someone who can get paid by the page, sort of put a shoddy product onto Amazon, whether it's Amazon Kindle Unlimited or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I should explain this because my mom did not know. So Kindle Unlimited is sort of a subscription service. If you pay about $10 a month, you have access to any book that is a Kindle Unlimited quote unquote book. And not all of them are, but there is a lot of romance in that section. A lot of it is self-published. Um, it's, you know, we a lot of the authors that we talk about are on Kindle Unlimited. Actually, a couple of the books that I'm going to recommend later are in there. Um, the long and short of it is it's it's a little bit of kind of a subscription service. And like I said, it, it can be really helpful for authors. But I think the downside of it is, you know, whether it's Kindle Unlimited or other Amazon spaces, this kind of plagiarism doesn't get picked up. And so then people are profiting off of someone else's work. And as we talked about last time, that's really harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the the Kindle Unlimited concept, it comes the other concept of romance readers often being voracious people. And Kindle Unlimited has been successful because they offer tens of thousands of books to you at $10 a month available for you whenever and however you want them. And with that also comes on the reverse side, because I, I mean, I, I'll repeat, I I tried Kindle Unlimited and realized that it would never work for me because I already own hundreds of books that I've never gotten to. So why would I pay $10 a month for thousands of books that I'll never read? Um, Fair. But but on my end, there's the whole free and very inexpensive books. And if you follow Kissing Books, you know that I always share deals. And I recently talked about, you know, sharing some slightly more expensive, but still pretty inexpensive books. Um, just to bring more exposure to a different group of people, because there are a lot of there are a lot of authors whose books are always ninety nine cents and one ninety nine, and um, you know, we've sort of built a whole culture around cheap ebooks, especially in romance. And Nora Roberts had some things to say about that that I still don't agree with, um, but I am also one of those people who is willing to go beyond the cheap ebooks and pay a little bit more money for both print and digital books. Um, And I know that there are authors who sort of utilize the 99 cent price point, especially in order to sell more books, Um, because there are a lot of people who will pay a dollar for a book, even if they don't get to it anytime soon, um, because it sounds interesting. Yeah. And I think... um... To be fair to Nora Roberts, she also did, once she started getting some of that feedback from primarily um, indie uh, authors, kind of saying, hang on, this is a thing that we actually need in order to get off the ground. Like, this is just – and she did say, like, I get it. I'm not saying authors should not sell their books for 99 cents if that is what helps them 
get moving. I think her larger point is one that everybody agrees with. And that's that you can't expect to get a good, high quality product and have it be cheap. There's actually a, um, uh, Brie Bridges, um, has a, a sort of Venn diagram on a Twitter feed of hers that I'll, I'll link to in the show notes where the three circles are good, fast and cheap. And the mm-hmm. very center of it doesn't exist. Like, yeah. You can't have all three of those things. And romance authors do get pushed to publish so quickly and publish so cheaply and actually yeah. also do good work. And I think the, the speed aspect of it is where the ghostwriters come in. Yeah. She was talking about, you know, people who, apparently publish a book a week like i apparently do not get to those groups of people in my amazon searches um in part because amazon has sort of figured me out and shows me the things that i want yeah yeah and the um and nora roberts kind of said i've been doing this for a while and i can't publish a book a week even at my speediest so you know and i think like i said i think her point was that i think it was more a frustration with the lack of respect and economic respect, I guess, financial respect, essentially, mm-hmm. that we offer romance writers. Um, and she did have to, you know, her experience is, is very specific to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she did kind of backtrack it a little bit, or at least clarify. Um, so again, we'll link to that, that stuff in the show notes. But it does make for an interesting conversation. Um, and I, so for me, I would love to hear whether it's folks who are in the industry or authors or whoever, if people have input, um, I am, I have been collecting change for like the last, I don't know, 15 or 18 months. Mm-hmm. And my plan is to turn it all into a Coinstar machine and get, I had been planning on getting like an Amazon gift card and just using that to pay for all of my books that I got on Amazon for the next, for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But some of this conversation makes me think that um, maybe an iBooks gift card or through Apple, or I, I don't know that Kobo has that option at Coinstar, but I, I you know, I could figure it out. <laughs> um, but if there is a, cause I do, there are certainly are authors that, um, are very well served by Kindle Unlimited and that's the only place to get their books. And so, um, or Amazon is the only place to get their books. So I will certainly continue to seek those authors out on that avenue. But if you are an author or a book industry inside person or have any insight as to if a book is available across all platforms, what is the way that does the most service to an author? I would be really interested to hear that. Um, and I think part of Bree's point is, you know, it's not on a, on a reader necessarily to make some of those distinctions, but I'm willing to, to make those, to put that work in and kind of figure it out. Um, which makes me sound very noble. Um, <laughs> you, know, you are noble, no. Trisha. You are very it's, noble. It's not so much that is that I I have the time and frankly here are the platform to ask the question. And so, um, if folks have you know feedback or insight, um, I don't. Maybe this is a thing that you know about, Jess. I honestly don't. Um, I have come across some conversation about whether it's better to buy books directly from the publisher and. Uh, you know, there are some authors who've said, you know, I make the same amount of money either way, but the publisher themselves don't have to pay that extra bit to the platform if you do it that way. I honestly don't know the veracity of that statement, though, and I honestly can't remember where I came across this conversation. And, you know, a lot of us scroll through Twitter for several hours a day if you add it all together. So it could have been many weeks ago 
on Twitter or on Facebook even or somewhere else. I don't know. Um, So yeah, if you are a book person or just a reader who knows a lot, um, tell us what you know. Yeah, and we'll happily, um, you know, share whatever we kind of learn over the over the the, the internet <laughs> or email <laughs> or whatever um, on the next episode. Because I do think that this is an interesting conversation in that there are so many different kinds of ways to support romance authors. Uh, and, um, you know, and a lot of people need to be able to also pay their own bills and do whatever, you know, I, I like I said, I, I agree with Brie in that it's not anyone's specific responsibility. But um, for those people who are able to be a little bit more cognizant or make some slightly different decisions. Um, and I am certainly in that boat. So we'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, if you're scrolling through Twitter for many hours a day, just that screen time app will really, really bring your life into stark understanding of what you are doing with your time. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, as part of the Tucson Festival of Books for the past two years, I've also been the social media manager. And my little iPhone thing popped up on on Sunday to tell me that in the past week, my screen time had gone up 39%. So I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder Can't why. imagine. <laughs> um, so I'm working to bring that back down. Yeah, you'll learn a lot about yourself, folks, if you uh, sign up for a screen time app. Just a heads up. Um, okay, well, I think now we might actually be at the fun part of this conversation where we get to make some book recommendations. And we kind of talked about this. I don't, I don't know. I think this, today, we're just kind of in a free for all of Mm -hmm. like, here are some books that we like. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to start? I've got three. How many do you have? I have, I have two and a half. Let's just say I have, I have three recommendations, but I haven't finished the last one. But it's so good. I want to tell you all about it. Interesting. And then, you know, on Monday, I'll let you know, when when this episode airs if it, something completely terrible happens at the end which i doubt because i know this author but you know gotta gotta put that out there oh interesting you know what now i kind of want to know what it is why don't you start <laughs> well since we've we've built up the anticipation i'll start with that one i know seriously the suspense perf by dakota gray um and i'll tell you this is quintessential erotic romance it's definitely a romance it's not erotica but it is very erotic um the sex if you're if you're unfamiliar with what makes an erotic romance an erotic romance it's the the sex is basically essential to the relationship cecilia tan tiffany rice a lot of those authors who write erotic romance if you take the sex out of out of their books you can't sort of you have a scaffold of a, of a relationship instead of like a whole one. Um, so Dakota Gray is a new author to me, um, but I've been following her on Twitter long enough that I feel like we're buds. Um, and this this is an interesting book. I I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it, but I've already built a very strong and deep relationship with the hero of this book, who is. Basically, he has a vaginal fetish, I guess you want to call it. Like, he was a panty stealer in high school. He Like, it's a legit fetish. And he is known for his cunnilingus. So, that's <laughs> where we start with this book. Oh, boy, I wish we could make that a show title, but I really don't think we can. 
<laughs> I mean, it's 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 not a bad word, um, but probably not. Uh, you're probably leaning on the right side of caution. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Robin, our heroine, actually sort of taunts him at the beginning of the book as a bit of revenge for hurting a friend of hers. Um, because he doesn't do relationships, obviously. He just, you know gives women the time of their life and moves on. Um, but they sort of can't turn away from each other. So where I am in the book now, they they keep bumping into each other, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> and it is it's oddly hilarious, but also really like heart twisting because there are authors who just know how to do that. And Dakota Gray is one of them. So it's the first book in her filth series. And as I said before, it is called Perv. P-E-R-V. Excellent. <laughs> and good luck to any of you who are trying to explain any of those uh, innuendos in terms to your children. <laughs> um, so I will start with, I have two very like light, f- fluffy, happy books, but I'm going to start with the one that completely wrecked me. Um, I, like, I don't think I have been as destroyed uh, as I was by a book like I was by this one, maybe thirsty about a year ago, but boy. Um, so the book is called Long Shot. It's by Kennedy Ryan. Mm-hmm. I will start by saying uh, there is a content warning at the beginning of this book. Um, make sure that you kind of take a look at it you know how sometimes this is unfortunate but sometimes if you have a book on an e-reader it skips past that mm-hmm. do take a look at this one because there is uh extensive graphic um physical and sexual assault in this book i it was not a thing that um that made me need to go the other way but for some people it probably is so just be conscious of that it's not gratuitous it's very well done it's really important to the book Mm-hmm. But it is certainly worth knowing if that is a thing that is uh, not for you. Um, so it's a it's a basketball book. It's an athlete book. The hero is a um, basketball player who the book opens with him playing in the national championship. And the night before the game, he meets a woman at a bar and they totally hit it off. Um, and they are kind of, you know, they get the, the closing time uh, memo from the bartender. They walk outside and something's about to happen and she tells him that she is seeing someone uh and it turns out um this is only the minorest of spoilers because you find out in chapter two (laughs) the guy that she is seeing is the um you know main player the like star player on the other team so the hero august is the star player on his team and then the other guy is the star player on his team and so iris is actually there to who's the hero and is actually there to support her significant other uh and you know, I almost don't want to say a lot more about it than that because the wheels come off the wagon after that national championship game. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, it's a, uh, this is a really tough book to read in a lot of ways, but it's so well done that then the payoff, um, of what these two people kind of had to go through and, and put up with to be together is really satisfying and just, just really well done. I think. The other thing that um, the that Kennedy Ryan does, the author, is uh, kind of pushes back against a lot of the stereotypes and stigmas that um, women in abusive relationships have to deal with. People mm-hmm. who say, well, I don't know why she doesn't just leave. Um, or it's kind of the shame that people feel or the guilt that people feel, um, the lack of 
exit, frankly, or, or ability to go. Um, she interviewed a number of survivors of uh, abuse and domestic abuse to before she wrote the book. So it's it's really well informed. It's just really well done. And it is, like I said, it's devastating, but it's really, really good. Um, I was explaining it to my mom and she was like, so is it is it a romance? I was like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> There's like actually a fair amount of steam uh, in some of those later chapters. But um, so it's really, really good. Um, so again, that is Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. And that is actually for all the talk that we were doing about Kindle Unlimited. It is on Kindle Unlimited. <laughs> well, um, speaking of stereotypes and stigmas, but in a, a, a much happier, happier way. Yay. Um, <laughs> Five minutes left. Let's lighten up this episode, Jess. <laughs> one of my delights of the past month was hired by Zoe Castile. And it's the second book in her Happy Ending series, the first of which um, was Stripped, which I'm pretty sure we talked about um, when it came out. You did, yeah. Um, and this one, it has a bit of a different feeling than the first book. I think in part because we're we're set away from the 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 strippers and um we follow um i'm going to i don't know if his name is pronounced aiden or aiden but um his parents are both from south and central america so i i really don't know if if there is a version of aiden there or if it's just aiden it it could be either one um but anyway we have our hero and (laughs) (laughs) whatever his name is (laughs) and he is sad and alone in a bar in new orleans and and we don't really know why until we discover that he is actually a personal escort Mm -hmm. and he has left the dance troupe that's basically the guys out of magic mike xxl like we we know that Zoe Castile wrote this book as a love letter or the series as a love letter to Magic Mike XXL which is apparently the better of the two movies it is indeed <laughs> he i haven't seen either one i am ashamed to say um so he's left them um because he sort of let them all down in a lurch when he was with them in Las Vegas and now he's with a client who had to leave suddenly so he's just like alone and sad and in their new orleans hotel and he meets faith at the bar and they both decide to be different from their usual selves and spend the night together and this is also a slight spoiler but it's very early in the book the the one night stand doesn't go well at all like there's all kinds of things that go wrong, but they still have that chemistry and they both have their own baggage that they have to deal with. Her mother's running for mayor. Um, he's trying to figure out his life and they just keep trying to not want to hang out, but they do. So they do. And uh, this book is about Messy people figuring out their lives, but also being able to really enjoy themselves at the same time. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> it is. It's very lovely. I like it. So that was Hired. By? Zoe Castile. 
Perfect. And again, always as always, there are links in the show notes. Uh, so my next one, I'm just going to talk about very briefly because it is actually a very brief book. It's called Ripped Pages by M. Hollis. And I think Laura from the um, Book Riot uh, team might have actually recommended it. It's a short I don't know if it's a short story or a short, it's, it's either a long short story or a short <laughs> novella. I read it, um, last Saturday morning while drinking tea. It took maybe like 45 minutes or an hour. Huh. Um, but it's a, um, a FF, um, sort of, uh, Rapunzel story mm. in that, um, Princess, wait, I wrote it down. Oh, Valentina is locked up in a tower by her terrible father. And she is trying to figure out how to get down. Um, she has, you know, some plans and some strategies. And then she realizes that once she gets down, she has no place to go anyway. Uh, and then Agnes happens to come along, you know, on a mission from the queen of her home country. And so she is ready and willing to be supportive. And the two of them kind of hit it off. And it's just, it was a really lovely, delightful um, story that kind of made me actually want to read more about both kingdoms there was a lot going on there um and it was yeah every, there was no i mean it, it was just like a it was my mildly dramatic but in no way kind of intense and stressful so might these two picks uh the first one and this one are are very opposite in terms of lightness um also not super steamy but there's like a couple of cute little scenes so anyway like i said it's 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 quite short this one's also on kindle unlimited but that's um ripped pages by m hollis and if you are you know hanging out on saturday morning with with 45 minutes to kill it's a lovely little book to just absorb oh that sounds lovely i will have to check that one out i i enjoy short books i also enjoy slightly longer ones um like american dreamer by adriana Herrera. Um, if you follow me on Goodreads, you know that my um, review of this book was five stars and just one sentence. It's 2 a.m. That's all I have to say, really. And it was actually 2.06 um, when I finished the book because I looked over at my clock and went, oh, no, because it was a weeknight. Um, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Um, and uh, it this book, I'm actually look, looking at. My my three picks, is, I realized that they're all interracial romances. Um, Adriana Herrera just, like, came out of the gate first in line with this book. This is her first novel, um, I think, with Karina Press. And it was it just hit so many amazing buttons. So you have, it's a male-male romance featuring Nesto, who is um, a Dominican food truck owner from not grew up, but he lived in the Dominican Republic until he's about six. And then he and his mother emigrated to um, New York City. So he lived in New York City and made some really great sequel bait friends um, who were also from the greater Antilles. And they formed basically a brotherhood. Um, and he is now trying his luck out in Ithaca, New York, where his mother now lives with some other Dominican family members, and he meets Jude the the moment he arrives in Ithaca, basically, and they keep running into each other. And Jude is a librarian, and he's got a lot on his plate, and he's trying to get this grant through so he can basically get a bookmobile for young readers out into the rural parts of the county. 
And they they both are very much business driven and neither of them thinks that they can be in a relationship right now. Um, but it's another one of those I can't quit you kind of relationships um, where it's like, yeah, you're not really my boyfriend. No, I don't want to date you. This isn't a date. We're just hanging out. You know, it's like it's a constant banging your head against the wall while you're reading it, but still not being able to look away because it's so sweet and amazing and steamy. And you also want to punch some people in the face and, but not in that, like get your act together way, but you're a horrible person kind of way. And it also really addresses some serious issues. Like there, there, there's a very racist lady in this book. Um, who both people have to deal with on a regular basis. And it's it's just one of those things where it's like, this is real. This would happen. But we still get to see the happy ending. So that's that's the key thing in romance. It's like you can have that like super real heartrending kind of story, but you know it's gonna be okay. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Feels like that was a whole spectrum of emotions you went through in that book, Jess. I, I did. There were there were so many emotions. And like the other thing that I really loved about this book, I'm sorry, I'm going to go on about this book probably for the next couple years. Well, at least maybe the next couple months until the next one comes out. Um, is the fact that Adriana Herrera was unapologetically Dominican in writing this book. Like there there is nothing that it seemed like the editors at Karina made her change or maybe I just don't know how Dominican some Dominicans can be because it really, I felt like I was part of the greater Antilles crew in this while I was reading this book. Like it, it felt like I was involved in a cultural group's life and they were being themselves authentically. And you know, that happens when you get, to write about people who were like you. And I always love being able to experience that. Um, but it just, it felt real, like real, real. I make words. I do words for a living. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so American Dreamer, which is just the best title, um, by Adriana Herrera. It's a blue book with a handsome man on it. You can't miss it. Well, and we'll even do you the service of linking to it in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about missing it at all. Absolutely. And I will just do a quick recommendation for a book that I think you actually uh, really have loved and read, Jess, which is a little bit more on the YA side and a graphic romance, which we don't always do here um, as much of, although I wish we did. And it is called The Prince and the Dressmaker uh -huh. by Jen Wang. And it is a delightful story of a prince who is named Fran... No. He is Sebastian, but he is more comfortable um, when he is in a dress and sort of identifying as Lady Christiala. Uh, and so Francis is the dressmaker who kind of allows him to have that space in his life to have that kind of different identity and just, you know, um, figure out what that means for him and just feel, feel more free in that space. Um, there is a little bit, he's obviously very worried that eventually his family is going to find out and um, be very 
opposed. They keep trying to set him up with all these different princesses, and and he's very concerned that they will find out about, you know, the evenings that he spends out uh, wearing these gorgeous, beautiful ball gowns. The art in this book is just incredible. Uh, And uh, Jen Wang did both the words and the art, as far as I know. And it's just like a very lovely story of the two of them kind of becoming friends and then maybe, you know, poking at the edges of becoming something more. Um, (laughs) And obviously, as romance has, there is sort of this dark moment where things seem like they're about to fall apart. But in the end, it turns out being this very lovely, delightful ending where things where people who people are are supportive and everybody's lovely. And it's uh, like I said, it's it's worth checking out for yourself. It is a the version that I have um, is a hard copy beautiful sort of paperback which it may not be an option for everybody but if it is an option for you i would i would recommend getting this book in whatever form that you can because it's mm-hmm. just a lovely book to keep in for me in my collection for years to come i agree with all of that and i think yep there's my copy <laughs> uh-huh yeah. <laughs> yeah it's nice to have to be able to, to reflect and look back um, so I think, I think that's it for us. If folks have, uh, recommendations or thoughts about, um, how we can best support romance writers who are, are really doing the work and putting out good quality books that we're excited about, whether it's Apple or Kobo or Amazon or hardcore, whatever people think it would be helpful to have, it would be, <laughs> this is very selfish. I would love to have that input. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I would love to sort of. Just be in the know, because I like knowing things. Uh, obviously. And also, <laughs> if people, if other folks have ideas of what um, success will look like a year from now in the Rift Bodice Diversity Report, we would love to know that, too. Um, so, Jess, how will people tell you? You can always contact me on the interwebs. I am on Twitter at JessIsReading, all one word. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. That's not backwards, right? Okay. No, no you're right. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Yay! And on Instagram, at just underscore is underscore reading. And I am on Instagram and Twitter at Trisha Haley Brown. On Twitter, the Brown has no O. Character limits. Ugh. Gotta Gosh. love them. The world we live in. <laughs> um, so do let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're reading. Uh, and we'll be very happy to hear it. So uh, for now, I think that is it. I hope all of you are in 78 degree weather. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's going to be cold and rainy this weekend. So then too bad for you but luckily it wasn't last weekend (laughs) well hey there it is all right well thanks as always for listening and uh for now happy reading everybody happy reading